Mount Everest is hard to climb. The Ford Everest is also difficult to climb up into, but once you are over the hurdle, the rewards are pretty good, particularly with the top model. But it all comes at a price. The Everest is a large SUV, a category where the Toyotas Prado and Kluger hold first and second place in the sales race. With over 20 cars in the below $70,000 class, plus a further 13 in the luxury above $70,000 class, there is no shortage of competition. There are well-known names in the category, including Subaru Outback, Holden Captiva, Jeep Cherokee and the perennial Mitsubishi Pajero. Ford still has the territory in this category, but it is a significantly cheaper car and they will soon stop making that. When I say the Everest is below $70,000, the truth is that some of the models are. The Ambente starts out at $60,000 once you get it on the road. The top of the range titanium is about $84,000 to get it on the road, depending on which state you're in. All versions have one engine and are automatic. Now, Errol has been driving the base model. I've uh, taken the responsibility of doing the top of the range model to compare. Errol, what do you think? at the basis of uh, this particular car as uh, the base model is it good um i, I think it is david it, it's it but it had better be for about 60 grand on the road give or take what state you're in it's an interesting vehicle because while, while the territory was a passenger car wanting to be an suv the everest is a commercial four-wheel drive wanting to be a family-friendly suv while not losing any of its off-road capability based on the ranger utility yeah so this they've basically taken the ford ranger and turned it into a a seven-seater station wagon, for want of a better term. But this is, uh, unlike the Territory, this is a serious four-wheel drive. This thing's got full-time four-wheel drive, low range, rear diff lock, all of that stuff is standard across the range. So you're not going to get stuck anywhere in this thing. Australian engineers, I'm reading here from the heading of a Ford press release, test Ford's Everest fuel economy, driver assistance technology virtually to offer innovations not seen on the Prado. Sorry, I'm stumbling over the words there. Errol, I think you were suggesting perhaps the engineers wrote the press release, (laughs) and and I'm an engineer too, so I can say that. Uh, But clearly the Prado is in their target. Mm. But I've got to say, the sales so far this year aren't reflecting that. Uh, in fact, the Territory is still selling more. And perhaps that's in run-out. You'd expect that. But the Everest is down in a 13th place, even behind the Toyota Fortuna, the Mitsubishi Pajero, the Nissan Pathfinder, the Isuzu MUX, the Hyundai Santa Fe, reading up the scale, uh, going from 13th, going back up towards the top. I've mentioned some of the ones at the top already. So it's a pretty tough road. I think the price might be the stumbling block. Mm. And it's a it's an interesting category because there's a lot of things in there that you would call soft rotors, whereas this is not one of those. This is a, a hard rotor if you want to go the other way. But um, I think they, they did actually, you know, you, you can see that the Australian design in, is in this because they got the suspension just right. It's not often you get in one of these things and it either wallows around like a boat or it's hard as a rock. Whereas I felt they got this just right and the steering felt just right. It was light and easy without being, you know, too much lock to lock. Let's start with the engine. It's a one, mo- a one engine for the three variations of it. What is it? It's a 3.2 litre straight five cylinder diesel and you'll get about 8.5 litres per 100 k's 
give or take. It's rated at that. Yes. It's probably a bit hard to get that on the road. Mm. Much power to it? 143 kilowatts, which may not sound huge, except that it's got 470 newton metres of torque which is what probably why it can tow three tonnes. Yeah, it's pretty good in that regard. Six-speed automatic gearbox. I tell you one factor when we're driving, Errol, I found it a bit noisy. What about yourself? Yeah, I, I did notice that, and that's one of the cons of coming from a, a commercial vehicle is the, the sort of lack of soundproofing. So you do get a, a fair bit of road, you know, road and engine noise um, in the cabin. But, um, you know, I, I'm going to guess they'll improve that in the next version. They claim they've done a lot with it. I just thought the engine was a little bit noisy. I will say one thing about the engine. It's very good. Oh, yeah. There's very little turbo lag to it. Mm. I was in a, also, just before that, a Haval, a new SUV from China. We'll road test that fairly soon. And I've got to say the turbo lag, it was a pretty good car in many ways, but the turbo lag was quite significant, whereas opposed to that, this new Ford Everest was a really quite sharp. It would turbo lag where if you're pulling out of a side street, you put your foot down and you think, hang on, it's just not going. You have that second of, or maybe it's a fraction of a second, but it feels like an eternity where the car just doesn't get up and go. But with the Ford Everest, I thought it was much more responsive. I found the engine very gutsy. And um, I can see that this is going to be a, a favourite amongst, you know, boat owners or, or caravanners and things. Because uh, it's got a three-tonne towing, towing capacity. Pretty pretty powerful out of the box. The features inside, were you comfortable inside it once you got into it? Yeah, well, you know, we'll get to getting in later. But, um, yeah, I, I, I thought the, um, the seats were maybe a little bit hard. Just a touch. I mean, not no, no big deal. Yeah, it's, it's very comfortable. It's very easy to drive. It's roomy. You've got three rows of seats as, as standard. I mean, the, the rear two are kid-only ones, of course. You've got lots of mod cons as standard uh, across the range. The base models, it's pretty standard there, uh, what you might uh, expect from the base model. That It's not until you start getting up, well, the next one up. The trend, yes. Yeah, which you've got to shell out another 7K for. And then the, the real boom step, the big step, is through the titanium which is the upmarket model that they call a lot of Fords, the titanium, mm. and that you get an awful lot of features. I just must mention a few. Active Park Assist uh, helps the driver find a parking spot that's just right to fit in, then virtually parallel parks the vehicle, just push the button. Le lane Keeping System. Now, that's in the trend and the titanium. If the vehicle is drifting out, Without your indicator on, the lane-keeping system alerts the driver by vibrating the steering wheel. Mm. Haptic sensations, I think they call that, where you can feel it. I think that's rather clever, but it goes further. If the vehicle keeps drifting, it will actually guide you back through the steering wheel. Sometimes that works and sometimes it doesn't, but uh, this wasn't too bad. Uh, it's designed to operate over speeds of 65 kilometres an hour, of course, on multi-lane roads. So you're not going to have it tugging at you while you're trying to park the car. No, you'd hope not, no. Tire pressure monitoring system. Power lift tailgate, I like. But, uh, Errol, you mentioned that the third row of seats. I must say, in the titanium, I enjoyed the fact that to lower the squabs of the seats up and down is, of course, electronic. Oh, it's tough, isn't it, David? <laughs> yeah, the only thing is the electronic rear door, the tailgate, is fine because everyone can see it and you can show off. 
it's not quite as easy to do it with these, but maybe your close friends as you try and load something into the back. I'll just lower the uh, squabs down so we can fit this extra thing in. <laughs> all, all very pretentious, isn't it? Yes, I think you're allowed to be pretentious if you've spent eighty five, you know, eighty four, eighty five grand on a car. You, you find uh, there's a, a little bit of almost um, magic about the ground clearance, but perhaps in the wrong direction. Yes, well, I, I thought it was a bit of a con. In the base model, which of course doesn't have running boards, uh, uh, standard anyway, I actually thought there was something caught under the vehicle, but it turned out it was just the suspension and bits hanging down below the, the body panels. So the uh, it looks a lot higher than it is. But having said that, you still have 225 millimetres of ground clearance, which is um, nothing to sneeze at. There's a little bit of a visual trick with the ground clearance. 225, uh, from memory, the Subaru Outback, which is really a station wagon with a bit of height to it, that has just over 220, 221 millimetres of ground clearance which is pretty well close to this uh, to this Everest. Yes. You might have expected to, that the bigger, more off-road capable car might have a little bit more. Mm, mm. Especially something this high, because you do have to climb into it. Did you find it hard? I did. I, there's no, no real elegant way to get in and out of it. Our friend John, who's six foot four and a big fella and... Uh, Polio's made his left leg a little bit uh, hard to work. He really struggled to get into it because he put his bum on the seat, but then to get his head under the roof line, so that the space between the the top of the seat and the roof line uh, through the door opening was not as much as he needed, and he he really struggled. Mm. I, I have to say, I only had the base model, which didn't have the running board, so that that's essentially a step to help you get in. So it's probably a little bit more elegant in the, um, you know, the trend or titanium models. But uh, if they do help. There's two. There's two handles on inside every door to help you get in and out. But th- that'd be probably the main criticism of it. it. I think if you're really tall, you won't have a, an issue. But if you're if you're short, you may you may struggle a bit. Once you get inside, have you got a bit of headroom? Oh yeah, there's heaps of headroom in there. I've got a mate who's who's pretty tall, and he had um, uh, what he described as four fingers worth of headroom which is actually quite a lot because he often winds up with his head jammed up against the roof in, in small cars. So there's heaps of space in it once you've managed to pull yourself up into the thing. Turning circle? I thought that was a bit average. I um, expect to do the odd uh, bit of three-point turning that you might not have to do in a you know a sedan. It's a part of the course in a four-wheel drive, pretty much. Optional extras, you found one that you had to buy that you thought was perhaps just might have been standard. I refer to the privacy screen. Yeah, the um, the, the luggage cover is, a, is an optional extra, which I thought was a bit odd. You know, maybe a little impractical with the, the seven seats up, the, the third row up. But, uh, yeah, I thought that was a bit odd for that that was an option. The whole oversize of the car. We're talking a big vehicle here, aren't we? Yeah, it's it's almost five metres long. It's uh, 4.9 metres and it's just over 1.8 metres or about six foot uh, high. In one car park, the uh, the aerial went sort of ding against the, uh, <laughs> the uh, little bar. Not for uh, small parking spaces. Overall, though, I mean, it, it is clearly a competent vehicle at a price. Yeah, this is a serious, 
off-road capable car. This isn't your uh, take the kids to to school soft roader that will never hit, never you know go off-road. We should say it's not just that. I mean, yes. it, it's <laughs> it's going to be used for that quite a lot. I should imagine. Yes, yes. I, I, I suppose we we need to be realistic, and that many of these may never go off-road, but at least they actually can if they want to. It is actually competent to be able to go off-road, and and it's received some pretty good reviews. Uh, the Fairfax Media gave it car of the year in 2015. It came in just towards the end of 2015. So it's not as if it's without the people who feel that it is very good. You've got to take it and uh, see it for what it is and what it might be and what it costs, among other things. Errol, I think that's a, a, a pretty good summation. Thank you very much for your time. All right, David. And that's Errol Smith. And we were talking about the Ford Everest, a large SUV. It's not selling gangbusters, but it's still a very credible vehicle.